0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, November the 29th, 2022. It is currently 6.04 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, if you're listening live on this Tuesday evening, I hope you're ready to spend some time in Bible study. If you're not listening live this Tuesday evening, I don't know when you'll listen, maybe late at night, maybe early in the morning, maybe in the afternoon, maybe while you're driving to work. I don't know what you may be doing, but whenever, wherever, however you're listening, I hope this will find you at a time where you're ready to engage in some Bible study And remember, for the next seven weeks, we are looking at, we are studying the topic, the the theme of fear. That is what we are looking at. And I hope that you've been working on everything I've asked you to work on so far. Remember, you need to come up with your six questions about fear. Remember, we're utilizing kind of a modified version of the thematic Bible study method. And then the thematic Bible study method, you come up with questions about a theme, about a, a subject that you want answers to. You come up with, and in this particular case, six, not five, not four, not seven, not eight, six questions. And then you take those questions and you search the Bible trying to find what it may have to say about your question and what it may say in order to answer your question. So please be working on that. Uh, And the last live uh, broadcast I did, we uh, called thematic method uh, PDF. We have a PDF that gives you all the steps to the thematic method. We're not asking you to do all of them for this particular study. Just the six questions and start working on it. If you come up with your six questions, please, I beg you, I implore you, I ask you, email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com. You don't have to give your name. You have, Just just give me the six questions, because we're going to create a PDF with all of the questions we receive, and then we'll post it so that you know, anyone struggling to come up with questions, they can they can take from all of the questions and find six that they think work for works for them and then they can utilize that in their own study so please do that i hope I hope so I hope so now if you were listening to the last live broadcast, you know that we <laughs> The goal was to turn on the microphone and just tell everyone about the PDF. That really was. And just clarify that I don't want you to come up with four questions or eight questions, but six. That's all I wanted to do in the last live broadcast. But inadvertently, something happened. I read Psalm 33, verse 8, which is kind of the key verse for this week's study. Not for the entire seven weeks, but for this week. And the next thing you know... I just kind of broke out into an impromptu Bible I, I just started doing an impromptu exegetical study, just an impromptu Bible study kind of happened, and that was never the goal. I just wanted to read the verse and remind everyone of the verse and then do and accomplish those other things, kind of clarify, give you uh, information about the PDF file, and the next thing you know, I'm I'm I start working through it and then all of a sudden about midway through the episode, I realize, wait a minute. I'm doing Bible study on an episode entitled the, uh, "Thematic." I think I said that, "Thematic Method" or "Thematic Method PDF." And I'm like, "Well, what happened? How? How? That that that's not going to be very beneficial because people are looking at the different episodes. Are going to say "Thematic Method PDF"? Okay, whatever. They're looking for the Bible study, and so I was like, "Wow, that that is so frustrating." I, I guess on one hand. I guess on one hand, it makes me, it made me very frustrated with myself. I'm very irritated with myself. But on the other hand, I do love the fact that when I just start looking at a text of scripture, I can't stop myself. I just start immediately start trying to take it apart, start asking questions and well that's what happens. I have always said I it's impossible for me to just read a scripture because as soon as I read it I have to start going, okay, well wait a minute. What about this? Okay, that fits in here. Okay, and that and who was it written to? Okay, what was going on? And then I just start and the next thing you know, 3 hours later, I you know, people are like, uh, we just needed you to read two scriptures. What are you doing?" Oh, I'm sorry. I just go into like teaching study mode. I just immediately Go into that mode. So I wanted, I, I I was so unhappy with the last live broadcast. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go upstairs. I'm going to turn on the microphone. And you we're just going to have a Tuesday evening Bible study on Psalm 33 as it relates to the subject of fear. Now, if you have access to the curriculum, remember it's free. All you have to do is email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at, yahoo, newsif at yahoo.com. Simply say you want access to the curriculum, I send you a link. It's absolutely free for you. We pay for it, but it's free for you. So please, please take advantage of it. Take advantage of the PDF file on the thematic method of Bible study. Take advantage of all the things that we have, and hopefully you, you will find some benefit in at least one of those things or, or in something that we do. But I I I really... I really felt like, you know what? It it's let's let's just spend some time actually studying the text. I I, I kind of did an impromptu one, let's really 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 dig in. So I I hope that you're ready to do that, willing to do that, want to do that, and hopefully I can uh I can well benefit you greatly from it because I think this Psalm 33 is an is an interesting passage, but as I was saying, the this the curriculum, okay, I don't I don't want to I'm I'm going to hurry up and forget what I was going to say. Just If you have access to the curriculum, the curriculum for this week is on Psalm 33. So if you have access to the curriculum, look at that, and it will supplement what we're about to do. But I'm going to do my own work right here, live on the air, on Psalm 33. So if you have a Bible, Psalm 33, if you have a notebook, open it up, and uh, let's dig in. Are you ready? Are you ready to dig in? Okay. Now, the key verse, really, for the study for this week is Psalm 33, verse 8. Psalm 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Now, I know what I should do is start in verse 6 and go 6 to 11, because I think that's the the actual, the text they want you to focus on, I think primarily in the curriculum. So I could start in 6 and 11 because it kind of forms its own section, right? But I'm going to start in 8, then back up to 6, and then work our way back down to 11. And the reason I'm doing this is because 8 is kind of the key verse. So I'm just going to kind of go with that way of thinking, and then we'll put it all together. But I hope this will be beneficial. So let's read Psalm 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Let me read that again. Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Now, every time I read that verse this week, and I've been reading this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, because that's what I told you to do for the starting this new series of study on the topic of fear, is that this week we start in Psalm 33. And I just told you to read it over and over and over and over and over. Well, every time I read that verse, let me read it to you one more time. Psalm 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Every time I read that, I could not stop myself, but I immediately started thinking along these lines. This is kind of how I started thinking. So what would it look like if the whole world feared God and stood in awe of him? What would it actually look like if everyone in a sense just kind of stopped and and started fearing God and standing in awe of him? As the verse says, um, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. What would happen if that occurred? So I just started kind of imagining, just kind of speculating. So here's a world and everyone fears God and everyone stands in awe of him and Whether I should do this or whether I shouldn't, it's irrelevant. It's what happened. My mind immediately started thinking about what people would stop doing, start doing. It, it, It all started immediately kind of going to, well, if people feared God, this wouldn't be happening in the world and this wouldn't be going on and this wouldn't be going on. And they would start doing this and they would start doing this. And it really became about what people did or didn't do. It really became about people's actions. And I'm like, okay. I can't say there's something inherently wrong with that way of thinking, but then all of a sudden it hit me. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I sit here and think about, okay, Psalm 33, eight calls for the whole world to fear God and for everyone, for the whole world to stand in awe of him. And if I immediately start imagining what that looks like and I start filling in Basically, I start drawing the picture. This is what it looks like, and it looks like people not doing certain things and doing certain things. It basically becomes morality, basically becomes following these rules and and no longer breaking these rules. It becomes about that kind of thing. Well, I've got to be I gotta I've got to then take that to its logical conclusion, right? Because the logical conclusion, if I'm gonna look at everyone else and say, well, if you fear God, you would do this and you wouldn't do this, you would do this, you wouldn't do this, I have to immediately then stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop worrying about the world. Let me look at myself. So it was just kind of a weird, it was kind of like a weird process that I went through. I immediately, it was really easy for me to go, well, the world would stop this and the world would do this and the world would stop this and the world would do this. But immediately I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I'm going to point my finger and say, well, if you really feared God, you would do this and you would stop this. Well, what does that mean about me and my life? Like, then the same thing would apply to me. Well, if you truly fear God, then why aren't you doing this? And why don't you stop this and this and this and this and this and this? So then I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I had to con- re- I had to consider something. And I think this is very important. And I, and I'm not saying I've got all the answers. Remember the Bible study exercise. I love to get us to think. I love, I don't like to just come give you three points and an outline. Now you're going to get an outline tonight. You're going to get an outline, but I, I like to get us really thinking and struggling with the text. Cause I'm just being honest with you. The more I read it, that's the way I kept thinking. Man, why wouldn't it be amazing if the whole world feared God? It'd be great. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. What would it mean if I fear? If, if I'm going to point to the world, I got to point to myself. So then I started thinking this, and I want you to consider this. If the whole world feared God and stood in awe of him, I know at least one thing that would not change. I can think of one thing that would not disappear. It would still remain in force. It would still be present, and it would still wreak havoc. And that is the fact that every human on this planet, saved or unsaved, has a depraved nature. So whether someone fears God or someone has no fear for God, they have a depraved nature. So it's easy for me to say, well, if they feared God, they would stop this, they would do this, they would stop this, they would do, and I think we always reduce fearing God to these very basic concepts of, well, you wouldn't do this, you wouldn't, well, you obviously don't fear God, well, and maybe it's true. Maybe it, maybe you, maybe it's true that they don't fear God. I'm just saying we have to be extremely careful because fearing God does not eradicate the old nature. Fearing God does not make the old nature just go away. The old nature will always be there, always acting, always fighting against that which is of God, fighting against against biblical morality. It's going to fight against everything related to God. It's always going to be of the flesh, carnal. It's going to be of this world. It's going to be basically of the enemy. It's not going to be of God. So if, if I, I, just, I just really spent the time just trying to contemplate that. What would it look like if the world feared God? And then I thought, well, wait a minute. If I'm going to say that's what it means if the world feared God, then how does that transfer to me? And then I started thinking, well, wait a minute. Even if everyone feared God, it doesn't change the old nature. The old nature is not eradicated by that. You say, well, it would have an impact. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. I'm just saying that the old nature would still be completely in in play. So I, I I've really just been kind of Bouncing that around, bouncing that around and trying to figure that out. And I would like you to just do some meditating on that and thinking about it. When you read Psalm 33, 8, what was the first thing that came to your mind? I have a feeling that many of you probably stopped and did the same thing I did. Wouldn't it be great if the world feared God? Wouldn't it be amazing if everyone feared God and stood in awe of him? The world would, and we all, and at least for me, it's almost like it would be like heaven on earth. But then I thought, wait a minute. Then, then, then there should be if there should be heaven on earth if everyone feared God and stood in awe of Him. Well, then that clearly indicates that I don't fear Him and stand in awe of Him because I have all the problems that still exist in my life and all the problems that still exist in yours. So I really just spent some time contemplating that, and I would love to get your thoughts. But then I started looking at the text. I'm like, okay, it would be great if the world feared God. And it would be great if everyone stood in awe of him. But does the text give us what, in a sense, what is? I don't want. To, I don't know if this is too strong of a word. Does Psalm thirty-three, verses six through eleven, does it indicate what is necessary? For everyone to fear the Lord. Like if people are going to fear God, there are some things that are absolutely necessary, right? I think in a roundabout way, Psalm thirty-three six to eleven says, "Hey, if you're going to fear God, you need a correct understanding of this. You need to accept this. You need to believe this. You need to trust this. You need to know this." You can tell me if you if you agree or disagree. Let me let me try to explain. All right, Psalm 33. So we have verse 8. Let let the earth fear God. Let everyone stand in awe of him. All right, that would be wonderful. We have all these ideas of what that would be like, okay? And I, and I think that there's a lot there to consider. But what would be required for people to fear God? Is it possible that the first thing that would be required to fear God is an acknowledgement and an acceptance and an understanding that God is creator. Is it a requirement to truly understand, accept, and acknowledge God as the supreme creator? And if you don't do that, you will not fear God. In other words, this is like a prerequisite. It's like a, it's a, it's like a requirement. You will not fear God if you do not accept, if you do not acknowledge If you do not understand that he is the supreme creator, there must be an acceptance of it. There must be an acknowledgement of it. There must be a belief in it. Whatever words you want to use there, but there is a connection between understanding, seeing, and acknowledge God as creator and fear. To truly fear him, to truly stand in awe of him, it, you can't even consider that. You can't even get to that until you acknowledge, to you, you accept, you believe, you trust, you you know it to be true that God is the supreme creator. Let me show you why I think this. There, there's an roundabout way this text is kind of demonstrating this. All right, so we have let all the earth fear the Lord, but go back to verse six by the word of the Lord. Were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth? He gathered the waters of the sea together as in a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. So immediately, before we get to eight, six and seven refers to God as Creator. And then notice this. Verse, then skip to verse nine, for he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. It's, it's just bizarre. Six and seven is talking about God's cr- being creator. Nine basically goes right back to the fact that he's creator. And then you just have this like almost an interruption in verse eight. You almost have an interruption in verse eight, which is just fascinating. You would almost put verse, you think verse eight would come after verse nine, but it's like, God is creator. God is creator. The whole, the whole earth should fear him. The whole earth should stand in awe of him. God is creator, which tells me that there is a major connection here. There can be, there will be no fear of God. There won't even be a hint of the fear of God if you do not acknowledge, you do not accept, you do not believe God is the creator. And look at how, and look at the focus on his creative power here. Look at at, uh, Psalm chapter 33. I keep thinking I'm saying Isaiah, but okay. Psalm chapter 33, verse six. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as in a heap. He layeth up the depth and storehouses for he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The emphasis is God is creator and he created by speaking it into existence. He spoke. His power to create, all it requires in a sense is a word. He speaks and that which did not exist comes into existence. That which did not exist is spoken into existence by God, the supreme creator. It shows his absolute power. You can say it shows his omnipotence. He has such power that something that doesn't exist, he speaks it into existence. In a sense, he breathes it into existence. Now, once we acknowledge and we see God's supreme power in creation, we accept it, we acknowledge it, we believe it, we trust that that is fact. It should, in theory, produce some reverence, some fear, some awe, respect, because we know then that everything is here by him. Everything here is for him. Every, the answer to everything can only be found in him. Meaning can only be found in him. Purpose can only be found in him. Morality can only be found in him. Everything has to be found in him. So we, if the minute we see him as creator, then we have to then have some fear and reverence and awe. Now, again, our our sinful nature will fight against it. But I believe that there can be no fear of God until there is an acknowledgement and acceptance and a belief in God as creator. Once you throw out God as creator, there can be no fear of God. There can be. Once people reject it, and say no. Everything got here by chance, by time, by accident, by by just some l- lucky coincidence. J- just as some, uh, just lucky coincidence. It just happened. If 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 you go with that, okay. Hang on. I, I, Siri is trying to answer questions here, right? <laughs> okay. So we, I think when you when you throw that out, then that there, there's just no. There's not even a chance for fear. There's, there's, it just can't exist where, where God as creator is rejected. Then there can be no fear of God present when we reject God as creator, when we don't acknowledge it, we don't think about it. We don't consider it. You cannot fear him. But when I see him as the omnipotent creator who speaks that which did not exist into existence, immediately, I should pause and go, okay, clearly I'm not in charge. He's in charge. Clearly everything here, its purpose and meaning is found in him, not in me. Clearly everything is not about me. It's about him. It changes your entire perspective. Now, yes, your sinful nature will fight against it. Your sinful nature is like, no, 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 don't worry about God. It's about you. Like like, like, your sinful nature says, forget him as creator Consider you. Everything was made for you. It's about you. All that matters is you, 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 you. Be, the sinful nature always exalts yourself. It exalts you over everything else. But when we stop and go, it's not about me. I didn't create everything. It, I, I didn't create, I didn't create everything. Everything was not created by me. Clearly not everything was created for me. So clearly not everything is created. Every, everything created is not about me. I just think the text is fascinating that it says, let everything fear God. And then it immediately, it, uh, before it and after it, the focus is that God is the one who brought it into existence. Again, look at verse 9. Right after it tells the whole earth to fear him and the world to stand in all of him, it says, uh, he spake, God spake, and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He just, he just spoke. Boom, creation happened. He just commanded it and it stood fast. He was in charge. His power. It's not for me. It's not about me. It's not by me. It's just it's a it's all for God, about God, by God, and my focus should be on him. And when I see him on the throne as the sovereign creator who's all powerful, it, it, it gives me a, a correct understanding of my place in the world and in the universe, that I am nothing and he is everything. It's not about me. I I think that is important. So first, all right, is it, uh, I'm going to say the, how do we say this? The absolute necessity of acknowledging, seeing, seeing, Understanding and believing God is the creator for fear to exist. I want you to see the connection between this. You cannot fear God until you accept, acknowledge, and believe God is creator. There can be no fear of God with a rejection of him as creator. You must acknowledge, you must accept, you must believe this to be the case. All right. Number two. I think it's very interesting. Look at verse 10. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. All right? The first thing that's required to fear God is an acknowledgement and acceptance and a belief in God as the supreme creator. Second, the second requirement to truly fear God is an understanding, an acknowledgement, and an acceptance of the sovereignty of God over humanity, over creation, over mankind. Specifically, I want to just focus on humans, right? Not over all of creation, over humanity, over humans. Because note is exactly what happens here. It's amazing. All right. So he talks about creation. Then the Lord, speaking uh, obviously of, of the creator God, the true God, he bringeth the counsel of the heathens to not. So here, here is all the heathen, and they, hey, they counsel together. They have their counsel. They have their plans. They have their ideas. They have their schemes, and God just overrides it. He just overrides their want, overrides their will. He just brings it to not, demonstrating his sovereignty over us. And he goes on to say, He maketh the devices of the people of none effect, of none effect. A right, look, you cannot fear God until you see him, acknowledge him, believe that he is creator, and you will not fear God in any true, meaningful way until you acknowledge, until you accept, until you believe that he is sovereign over all of us. He is greater than us. He is greater than our plans. He's greater than our will. He's greater than our strategies. He's greater than our ideas. He's greater than our schemes. He is greater than all of it. He stands supreme. So we must see God, accept God, acknowledge God as creator. And we must see, accept, acknowledge, and believe him to be sovereign over all things. Do you truly believe God to be sovereign over everything? A good portion of the evangelical world believes God is not sovereign over everything. They may claim it, but they're like, "Well, no, no, He's not sovereign over salvation." Or, or well, I mean, I mean, God wants to do this, but then you know, it requires people, and people could reject it, it constantly basically pits God against everything. And like it's almost like Satan is of equal strength. We're of equal strength. Now they'll turn around and say, no, 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 that's not true. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is sovereign. God is eternal. And then just turn around in 10 seconds later and say something that destroys that entire theology. I think in many cases, people theoretically believe, acknowledge, and accept the sovereignty of God. And practicality, they reject that and almost act like practical atheists where it's all about us. We gain some power and sovereignty over everything. Now, that's hard to notice. So if we're going to fear God, it requires an acknowledgement and acceptance and a belief in him as creator, and it requires an acknowledgement and acceptance and belief in his sovereignty over us. He created, he controls. So easy for us to may believe he created, but we forget that he controls. We feel like he lost control a long time ago and moved away. All right, now look at the next verse. Verse 11. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Now this is interesting. Right? What do we do with verse 11? What do we do with verse 11? Okay, we, we have the creation, 6, 7, and 9. We have his sovereignty over, now please note, the council of the heathen, which is interesting. Please pay attention to that. His sovereignty over the council of, of the heathen and his, his power over the devices of the people. And then in contrast, it says, but the council of the Lord standeth forever. Uh, the thoughts of the heart of his heart to all generations. I, I think that this is this is interesting in, in my notebook, I, I think it's interesting that we I think we if fear, if we're if we what's a requirement for fear is we have to see, we have to acknowledge, we have to trust, we have to believe, we have to accept the supremacy of God's counsel and thoughts. So in other words, if we're going to fear God, it is required that we see, that we accept, that we acknowledge, that we believe in him as creator. Secondly, we have to, if we're going to fear God, we have to acknowledge, we have to accept, we have to believe in the sovereignty of God over us. And then third, if we're going to fear God, we truly have to acknowledge, we truly have to accept, we have to believe in the supremacy of God's counsel and thoughts. See, he's sovereign over ever all everyone else's thoughts. Everyone else's thoughts, he's sovereign over them. He can bring them to naught. He can go, that's your plan, that's your scheme, boom, it's not gonna happen. That's your thoughts, boom, it's not gonna happen. He can just step in at any time, override anyone's will, override anyone's desire because he is sovereign. But what we what in contrast to that, his sovereignty over that, we must never forget the supremacy of his counsel and his thoughts. Hey, he'll bring to naught everyone else's counsel. He'll bring to naught everyone else's plans, schemes, and devices. But the counsel of God, it stands forever. His thoughts of his heart will last to all generations. He, he is supremacy. He, he is supreme over everyone else's thoughts. He is supreme because his thoughts and his Heart will last forever. Nothing can change it, nothing can destroy it, nothing can thwart it, nothing can can can, can make it go awry. He is supreme, his thoughts and his counsel. The, or as I wrote it in my in my notebook, his counsel and his thoughts are supreme over all. Psalm thirty three. Verse eight, let the whole earth fear God. Let everyone stand in awe of him. What would that look like? Wouldn't that, look, wouldn't that be amazing? I don't know. Because whenever I decide what it would look like, then I, I realize, wait a minute, what, the, what should that look like in me? And I realize, oh man, this is a problem. So as I sit there and try to contemplate all of that, this thought comes to mind. Well, what would be required for everyone to fear God? Three things would be required. Number one, we must see, we must acknowledge, we must accept, we must believe God as creator. The reason the world will never fear God and stand in awe of Him, it will never happen because they reject Him as creator. They reject Him as creator. Because once you acknowledge that he is creator, then you know this world is not by us. It's not about us. It's not for us. He makes the rules. He makes, he determines the purpose, the meaning. Everything is found in God. We are no longer, in a sense, in charge. We're not sitting on the thro- throne. We're no longer the captain of anything. All right. He is supreme. So if we're going to fear God, we have to see, acknowledge, accept, believe him as creator. Secondly, and we see that in Psalm 33. We read it, verse 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as in a heap. He layeth up the depth and storehouses. Um, verse 9, for he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood it, it, it stood fast. Verse 10 now. The next thing, if we're going to have the fear for God, we must see, we must acknowledge, we must accept, we must believe That the Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to not, he maketh the devices of the people of none effect. What does that mean? We have to acknowledge, we have to accept, we have to believe, we have to see. I know I keep adding words to just make sure you get the the full sense of it. You can write it out any way you want. I know I keep adding to it because I'm really wanting to to feel the force of it. We have to acknowledge, we have to, to accept, we have to believe God is sovereign over everyone. Their counsel, their devices, God overrides it. He will bring it to naught, as He says about the devices. Um, as He says about the, of none effect. He can make it of none effect. In other words, He's sovereign, not us. We may think we are. We we look at our, our this world. We may think we are in charge. We may think uh, our plans, our ideas, our schemes that the the ideas of other people. But no, God is sovereign over all of that. So we have to. We have to accept, we have to acknowledge and believe him as creator. We have to accept and acknowledge and believe his sovereignty over everything. And then number three, verse 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. We have to accept, we have to acknowledge, and we have to believe that the in the supremacy of the counsel of God and the thoughts of his heart, they will last no one can get rid of them, no one can overcome them, no one can defeat them. This would be like the basic requirement, the minimum of fear even being present in you towards God. If you're going to have the fear of God, these three things must be there. Acknowledgement, acceptance, and belief, sovereignty, acknowledgement, acceptance, and belief in our, I'm sorry, acknowledgement, accept, acceptance, and belief in him being creator. Acknowledgement, acceptance, and belief in him being sovereign. Acknowledgement, and acceptance, and belief in the supremacy of his counsel and his thoughts. There is Psalm 33, 6 through 11. Now, as I kind of messed up earlier in this episode... Makes me mad. I wanted this one to be perfect. Go figure. Never will be perfect. I I, I wanted to clearly say that the curriculum covers Psalm 33. So please consider their words in contrast to mine because we place the curriculum there to supplement what we do and in some cases to offer a counterpoint to what we do. So you can see what they have to say and you can see if you agree with my approach to Psalm 33, 6 through 11, or you disagree with my approach. Um, But I think that we're on to something here. And I think the text is just fascinating the way it was written. But I still, and I, but I, but I do want to get your, like, I don't know. What did you do with Psalm 33 When When you read it this week, you know, hopefully you've already read it like 50 times. I don't, I mean, I don't know. You should just be reading it over and over and over and over and over and over. Every chance I get, I just keep reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. Um, I just, I've been trying, what does it, what would it look like if the world feared God? And on one hand, I'm like, yeah, it would be awesome. And then I'm like, wait a minute. If I say that, then do I fear God? And then it hit me. Even if we fear God, our our sinful nature is still there. So then what is required for us to fear God? And I think in a roundabout way, the text provides it. Now, you can give me your thoughts. You can give me your outline. You can give me your perspective. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Be be looking for for me talking about much of this again somewhere later, somewhere this week. Either in another Bible study exercise episode, a Today's Focus episode, maybe tomorrow evening at church at Victory Baptist Church. We're going to definitely be talking about this uh, multiple times. So some people don't like when it becomes repetitive, but once we get this idea, I love to just keep working on it and working on it and working on it because there's just so much here. So please email me your thoughts, Discord channel, talk about it there, wherever the case may be. I would love to get your thoughts, but I'm going to stop right there. All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Seven weeks talking about the fear of the Lord. Is it possible that the foundation to fearing God is an acceptance and acknowledgement and a belief in him as creator, an acceptance and acknowledgement and a belief in him being sovereign over us humans? He's sovereign over us over our counsel, over our divine. He is sovereign. And then number three is a third requirement to fear God, like a foundational, just the basic beginning of fearing God. It requires an acceptance and acknowledgement and a belief in the supremacy of God's counsel and of God's thoughts. They are so supreme, they last forever, and they cannot be changed, destroyed, or defeated. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.